Luke chapter 10, verse 38. The Bible says in verse 38, Now it came to pass, as they went, that he entered into a certain village. Somebody say a certain village. And a certain woman named Martha received them into her house. Very important thing there to think about. Martha received them into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, which also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his words. But Martha was cumbered about much serving and came to him, came to Jesus, and said, Lord, does thou not care that my sister had left me to serve alone? Bid her, therefore, that she help me. And Jesus answered and said unto her, Martha, Martha, thou art careful and troubled about many things. But one thing is needful, and Mary had chosen that good part, which shall not be taken away from her. Jesus, you are in this place. Your presence is here. You're, you're doing something, Lord. You're reaching for us. I pray that every invisible chain that have any person bound will be broken even now as I call upon your name in the name of Jesus. That the minds, Lord God, that are filled with cluttered and in bondage where they can't hear right, can't think straight, that, Lord God, you will silence every voice that is not according to your will right now that is in their minds. And that only the voice of God will penetrate and speak clearly to their soul. And God, I pray that somebody will respond to the pure, unadulterated word of God. That every person in this place will God respond to you and not worry about anyone else or anything else. But God, today, the engrafted word of the Lord will bring about deliverance, will bring about change, will bring about understanding, will bring Bring about a life uh, that is right and pleasing unto you. Uh, Jesus, have your way in this place today. Jesus, we call on your name. And we ask, almighty God, that your spirit have total control and that your will be done in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Why don't somebody clap their hands unto the Lord and just begin to just thank him. Jesus, I thank you for what you're doing. Jesus, I thank you for what you're going to do in my life. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name, you may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Today, I want to entitle this message, Beware of Distractions. Beware of Distractions. That's what the Lord spoke to my soul and said to me. Beware of distractions. And so he put that thought in my mind and then I said, all right, okay, I don't know where the scripture is about distraction. And so then I went to a scripture 
in, I believe, 1 Corinthians chapter 7, 37 or something like that. I don't remember. And it talked, that's the only place in the Bible that the actual word description, uh, distraction was written. And I, I look, I said, well, this is not pertaining to what you're saying, Lord. This is talking about marriage. And so uh, that's not the distraction you're trying to tell me about. Where do I find distraction in the Bible? And so he brought me to this text and says, here is the distraction that I want you to preach about. Here is where it is. Before we get into the distraction that the Lord is talking about, I want to get you to understand this. When Jesus comes to your house, when Jesus comes to your house, When Jesus comes to your house, I know you're thinking about your physical address, and that's right too, when Jesus comes to that house. But there's many houses that I'm talking about when I say when Jesus comes to your house. I'm talking about when Jesus comes to your home where you live, but I'm also talking about when Jesus comes to this house. Where you come to worship is the house of worship for you. And so when Jesus comes to your house, which is this house, what will you do? When Jesus comes to this house, this, this, this tabernacle, this temple that he's created because he said that I will dwell in you. You are a house. And so when Jesus comes to this house, what you going to do? And so he began to work with me about when he comes to the house, what will we do? And, and so often Jesus will come to the house. Revelation chapter 3 verse 20 says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. you got to get this one today. I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come in to him and will sup with him and he with me. Too often Jesus has come to the door and he's knocking, but we still got to let him in. And when Jesus comes to the house, you got to let him in. You can't have him standing outside the door. When Jesus comes to the door, and he, he comes and he knocks because he wants to get into your house. What will you do when Jesus comes to your house? When Jesus rings your doorbell, when Jesus knocks on your door, what will you do? When Jesus comes to the house. Too often Jesus comes to our home, our house, and, and we don't receive him, we reject him. Sometimes we come to church and we come to be inspired and we come to be encouraged and we come to be delivered and we come to be restored and we come to go to a new level and we leave the same way and wondering why. Why did I leave like that? I knew I was going into the house of the Lord. I knew that something, I wanted something to be changed in my life. But you never stop and thought, was Jesus trying to get in? And I didn't let him in. Was Jesus asking for permission to get in? And I didn't let him in. When Jesus comes to your house, don't mean he going to get inside. When Jesus comes to your house, it don't mean he will get inside. We got to let him in. 
and we want to know where we are and what may be some of our greatest challenges while we can't get where we need to get because Jesus is at the door knocking. And we saying, hold up, hold up, hold up. We're not ready. We may not have prepared the house. We, we may not have done what we want. We don't want to be embarrassed because the house is not ready for Jesus to come in. I don't understand, preacher. I don't understand. Jesus, come to my house. You can read throughout scripture. Jesus will come to people's house. And it don't matter who you are. Don't let nobody tell you you're so messed up that Jesus won't come to your house. People tend to think that, oh, you got to get it together for Jesus to ever come see you. You, you, you got to do this for Jesus to ever come see you. But we talked about that last week because Jesus won't come to those that are lukewarm, but Jesus will come to those that are hot or those that are cold. When you're cold, it means this stuff is all messed up, but Jesus will still come to your house. I remember reading in, in the scripture that same Luke, I believe, chapter 19, and it talked about the man named Zacchaeus. He was a sinner. Any sinners in the house? Amen. Zacchaeus was a sinner. But Jesus says, Zacchaeus, today I'm coming to your house. I'm coming to your house. And Zacchaeus was smart enough to receive him, to let him in. And Jesus came to Zacchaeus' house. There's a lot of things that happens when Jesus comes to your house. And one of the things that will happen when Jesus comes to your house is repentance, is is forgiveness, is deliverance and restoration. When Jesus comes to your house, you will be restored. You will be delivered and you will be saved if you let him in. You just got to let him in your house. Don't let him knock at the door. Let him in. Somebody say, let him in. Let him in. He he comes to the door and he's knocking. He's knocking. We got to let him in because he wants to get in. And I know what the scripture says. When you go where it says in, in Luke chapter 19 here, here's what it said. Chapter 19 and verse 5. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him, Zacchaeus, and said unto him, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down. For today I must abide at thy house. Zacchaeus was a sinner. Zacchaeus had done people wrong. You can't do anything so wrong where Jesus won't want to come to your house. We've been duped to be thinking and tricked that, that, that Jesus can only come to your house when you're righteous. That Jesus can only come to your house when you're doing well. But I got to tell you, if you can't do well, then somebody got to help you do well. And Jesus will come to help you. And so he tell him, make haste, I'm going to come and abide at thy house. And he made haste, that's Zacchaeus, and came down and received him joyfully. That word received, go back and look at the other text that I read for you, where it says that 
in verse 38, it says that, and a certain woman named Martha received him in her house. Zacchaeus received him. It's not a coincidence why the Bible made sure when Jesus came to people's home, it said that they received him. Are you receiving him? Is he just standing there? Are you receiving him, embracing him, being joyful that, my God, I'm thankful that you came to my house. Are you receiving him? Are you allowing him to come in? Or are you going to talk to him through the door? Or are you just going to say, man, Jehovah Witness, let him go, and we'll just keep on moving. We're going to treat Jesus like Jehovah Witnesses. Don't have time for you, Jesus. He knocking. What a gentleman. The almighty God, the creator of everything. He come to your house and he knocks. Gentlemen, gentlemen. He didn't kick the door in. He didn't come banging hard. He just knocked. And so Zacchaeus said, yeah, come on to buy. But here's what I like. And he made haste and come down and received them joyfully. Verse 7. And when they saw it, here go people. Can we not worry about people? I've been saying this for the longest. Can we stop worrying about what people think? Man, everybody that try to criticize you, they hypocrites and they in trouble themselves with God. Because if you're a real Christian and you see stuff going on with people, you go pray. You don't say one word because all oh, you know, I got some stuff with me that, 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 you know what? I probably can be talked about too, but somehow they don't know. But somebody will know sooner or later because if you talk about somebody, then God's going to let your stuff get out too. You don't talk about people, God won't let your stuff get out. You want to talk about people, your stuff going to get out. And so, May Hayes came down. And when they saw the people, they all murmured and saying that God, Jesus Christ, was gone to be guests with a man that is a sinner. Aren't you glad that scripture is in there? I'm glad that scripture's in the Bible. For all the people that got their little way of thinking, man, God don't mess with sinners. Well, I read in my Bible that it says that when he went with Zacchaeus, everybody talked about Zacchaeus was a sinner. How can Jesus go and be with a sinner? Well, you got to be thankful because guess what? In order for us to be in church or to be a part of the kingdom, we were sinners and he had to come see us. Without him coming to see us, we could never be saved. Don't think you can ever be saved on your own. Oh, God, help me this morning. You can't get saved on your own. You may want to get saved, but it's not until God work in your life. It's not until what the Bible says that no man can come unto him except he draws them. So when you feel like going to church, it means Jesus is drawing you. When you feel like praying, it means Jesus is drawing you. When you feel like clapping, worshiping, Jesus is drawing you. It's up to you if you're going to let him in. The feeling that you get is him drawing you. He's drawing you. What you going to do? We think that Jesus can't draw us. Jesus don't do stuff for us. Stop thinking like that. Oh, man, you don't know what I've done. I don't know how many times I'm going to tell you never. You can't top the Apostle Paul. Some of us, we just treat each other bad. Some of us, we was out there fornicating and drinking and smoking and doing all that kind of stuff. They ain't got nothing on the Apostle Paul. Dude was trying to stop Christianity. And we worrying about what our little stuff is. Man, I, you know what's funny sometimes to me? <laughs> People come into church and they don't know me. Hey, pastor, man, you don't understand. 
man, I used to do this. I used to do that. I just smile. I ain't got time to tell him what I used to do. I ain't even going to say it. Because we, 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 we think we was the, you know, only one doing what we were doing. Man, them the kind of people God go after. Good people usually take a long time to get saved. Can I be honest with you? You a good person, man, it's hard for you to get saved. Because you just think your goodness gets you in. And I'm good. I don't do nothing wrong. And so when somebody tells you about Jesus, well, yeah, that's true, but you don't do nothing because you feel like you okay. But when you was a sinner like me, when you were a wretch like me, and somebody tells you about Jesus, you say, oh, Lord, something got to happen here. I need to be saved. I remember when we used to go on the projects and, and witness the people. You know what I love about it? Those that were smoking weed, selling drugs, rolling, playing dice, and everything like that. When we told them about Jesus, you know what I respected so much about them? Yeah. They admitted they knew they was wrong. Yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah. I go to church when I get ready. Or yeah, I do need to go to church. When I go to certain neighborhoods and knock on the door, hello, how are you? My name is Wayne. We're in the neighborhood. We're just canvassing and telling people about Jesus, inviting them out. Oh, I'm Catholic. Close the door. Close the door. Now, I'm not talking about no religion. I'm just telling you when people think that they're good, what they do. They good? They just do. Well, I'm good. Go to somebody else that's messed up because I'm, I'm okay. We better off. That lukewarm stuff, we got to get out of lukewarmness. If you're in the place where you're lukewarm, get out of it because you're going to think that you're okay and you can't be reaching a lukewarm state. So the people talk about Jesus with Zacchaeus. And Zacchaeus stood and said unto the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. He stole all of it, that's why. And if I have taken anything, look at him trying to be politically correct. Yes, just say, I have taken, don't say if, I have taken many things from any man by false accusation. Stop, Zacchaeus. I restore him fourfold. You see what happened here? When Jesus came to Zacchaeus because Zacchaeus let him in, Zacchaeus got free. All the people that talked about Zacchaeus, you crook, we taking our money. He is just not right. And they knew Zacchaeus wasn't right. Zacchaeus knew he wasn't right either. But he let Jesus in. And when you let Jesus in, you get delivered. When you let Jesus in, you don't care. You said, listen, man, you can talk about me all you want, and that's fine. But guess what? Those things have no effect on me anymore because Jesus have come to my home. And when he knocked on my door, I open it up and let him in and say, come on in, Jesus. I'm here. I want you to do. And just his presence alone make me say, God, forgive me. I was just dead wrong. I was nasty. I didn't treat people right. I stole, and I'm going to give them back all of what I stole from them fourfold. Not just what I took, fourfold. Because Jesus was in the house. And when Jesus is in your house, when you let Jesus in, Jesus will begin to just make you feel like you just need to do right. We got to let Jesus in. Tell your neighbor, we got to let Jesus in. When Jesus is in the house, when he's in the house, I made a note here, just so we wouldn't get it twisted, that Psalms 24, 1 and 2 says this. The earth is the Lord's 
and the fullness thereof, the world and they that dwell therein. For he had founded it upon the seas and established it upon the floods. I wanted to give you that so you understand that everything belongs to God. You know, we like to say that everything belongs to God. Well, I just gave you the scripture that makes you know everything do belong to God. And so whatever we occupy, and we're occupying it right now. I'm occupying this body, but it don't belong to me because I didn't make it. I'm just occupying it. We come to this building as a place of worship. It don't belong to us. We occupying it. And, and when we go home, I don't care if you bought your house, you're still paying mortgage. And if you don't pay your taxes, they take it. You occupying it. We don't own anything around this place. We just occupying. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. The world and they that dwell therein. For he founded it upon and he established it upon. It's him that owns everything. It's him that has everything in his hands. I belong to God. Mm-hmm. Ah. Yes. And so, God. Knocking at the door. Will anybody let him in today? I, 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 I want to let him in. If, if you haven't let him in, you need to let him in. How do you know if you've let him in? We'll deal with that. Let's jump down to verse 40. Back to Luke chapter 10. Let's jump down to verse 40. Luke chapter 10, verse 40. But Martha was cumbered about much serving and came to him and said, Lord, dost thou not care that my sister had left me to serve alone? Bid her, therefore, that she help me. And so, you know, Jesus don't waste words. He says what he needs to say and always right on the button. And so, Jesus began to deal with it. Let me tell you a secret. And you've heard me said this before. Some of you may not have heard. And Brother Matt have said it. And some other people may have said it. But let me reiterate it. When Jesus comes to your house, here is why things don't change. And maybe I need to say it this way. Here is how you need to know you're going to let him in. And here's how he needs, when you let him in, to operate. When Jesus comes to your house, Shaq, what you want to do is make him the host and you be the guest. It's easy to say it's my house. I'm in charge of my house. I call the shots when people come over. That's the normal way. But Jesus is not everybody else. And so when you normally have company, you host your company. They're your guests. But when Jesus comes to your house, you got to flip that. You got to flip the script. You got to turn that around and make Jesus the host and you become the guest. It's easy to do. The earth is the Lord's, the fullness thereof, the world and they that dwell therein. So the house that you're occupying is really his. So when he comes, just let him play his role. He owns the house. Let him be the host of the house. You don't have to worry about hosting him. He is almighty God. 
What do you think you know more than him? What do you think you know what to do better than him? Just let him be the host. And so when he comes in, you no longer getting everything together. Now, the boss is here. Let him do everything. Let him tell what he needs to do. Let him call the shots. And so when Jesus come to your house, let him be the host and you be the guest. That's the secret to the change. That's the secret to your life being totally different. That's the secret to you coming to church and leaving different. That's the secret to you letting God in is letting him have control once you let him in. You can't let him in and tell him, all right, sit over there. Let me take care of you. What do you want to eat? I got you. When you let him in and you keep doing what you're doing, then Jesus is no longer in charge. And so he's just there just chilling. Do you want Jesus to work or do you want to work? Do you want Jesus to work or do you want to work? We've been trying to do the work. And so we don't get the results that we need because we've been trying to do the work. And if Jesus is in the house, why would I do anything? Why would I do anything if Jesus is at my house? Why should I try to do anything when Jesus is at my house, when he knows better than me, Eric? He just, he's just good. Why would I try to do anything? All I'm saying is Jesus here. I'm chilling. Let him do what he do because what he can do will help me. What I can do is no big deal. He knows everything. And so when Jesus comes to your house, the first thing you want to do is turn them tables. Dude, you in charge. I'm no longer in charge. Can I tell you how it works? When we go to, what was it? John chapter 2? When he turned the water into wine? I don't know. Who got that? Yeah, John chapter 2, I think. His first miracle. Turned the water into wine. You want me to tell you how it happened? The host of the wedding became a guest and let Jesus become the host. Mary, his mother. She was, she, she was in charge. And they ran out of wine. And she realized... We in trouble. We didn't know as many people was going to show up. We invited, we know, but we just didn't calculate it right. And now we out of wine. And so Mary said, whatever he tells you to do, you can go and check me out. Mary said, whatever he tells you to do, you do it. What does that mean? She said, I ain't doing nothing else because I don't have no control about what's going on. I can't make water be turned into wine. I can't fill up these water pots. I don't have no power. So you know what? If this wedding is going to continue, we're going to still have wine. Listen to him. That's why. Remember, Jesus says, woman, my time had not yet come. And she was still telling him, go change the water to wine. Like, What's wrong with you? It ain't time yet. So his first miracle was kind of premature. Because he was there as a guest at that wedding. His mom was in charge, so he's there as a guest. But mom knew who he was. And so she said, let him be in charge. Let him get you more wine. And that's what happened. Mary taught us something more than what Mary always teach us. Mary taught us that when her son is in control, when her son is around, let him take charge. 
And if Jesus' mother understands that, what should we understand? When Jesus is in the house, let him be in charge. You don't be in charge. When Jesus is in the house, let him tell you what he wants. When Jesus is in the house, let him do what he wants. When Jesus is in the house, you do nothing. Let him tell you what he wants. Let him direct you to what he wants. When Jesus is in the house. And so, I'm getting ready to finish up. Beware of distractions. Beware of distractions. That, that, that is something that you're going to have to deal with a whole lot in this last day. Distractions. And so, Martha was cumbered about much serving and came to him and said, Lord, does thou not care that my sister had left me to serve alone? Bid her, therefore, that she help me. Mm -hmm. Beware of distractions. When the scripture said, but Martha was cumbered about much serving. This is what it's saying. But Martha was distracted with much serving. I heard Dr. Jefferson said this a long time ago, and I was kind of offended when he said it, but he was right. And what he said was, <laughs> didn't want to accept it back then. We put all this effort into trying to reach the loss. He said, how you reach the loss is pray to God, let him tell you how to reach the loss. It was simple, but we didn't like it. Why? Because we always, let's go win some souls. Let's go tell people about Jesus. And Jeffrey says, you can go and go do whatever you want. But it might just be efforts. Won't get nothing out of the deal. Because you're doing what you want, not what Jesus told you. And so when he said that, I was kind of offended because, you know, I'm soul winning man. I go and reach the loss. What are you talking about, Jeffers? But he was right. I've heard so many stories about what some people will do to reach their community that other people try and it never worked. So you got some churches have grown big churches by having 20 school buses that they run every Sunday morning to all different kinds of neighborhoods and picking children up and bring them to church. And they have great church, great Sunday school because they had 20 school buses just running and picking up kids. And then somebody else hear about it and say, you know what, we're going to get some school buses too. Never worked for them. It's just, it, it has nothing to do with our efforts. It has to do with what God says. And when God is in the house, let him do the work. Let him tell you what he wants. And when he tells you what he wants, then you go ahead and do what he said. That's the kind of mindset we got to have in this end time. We cannot allow ourselves to be distracted by doing work. In the name of the Lord. Because I'm not just saying anywhere. We do work in the name of the Lord. And God is saying you're getting distracted because you're caught up in the work thinking the work is that more important. No, I'm important. It ain't the work that is important. It's me that's important. Mm. 
Martha was distracted. Everything has its time and its place. And when Jesus is in the house, nothing should distract you. When Jesus is in the house, when you let him in, remember, we got to let him in first, right? We got that part. So we got to let him in first. And when he comes in, don't you be distracted doing all that you want to do. Don't you be distracted doing what you think you should do. When Jesus is in the house, don't get distracted. If he's there, make it about him. Mary knew we're not going to always have him. And so we got to make the best of it. And can I try to make some sense of that for us? God will speak to us today and don't speak to us for another two years. Thank God. He did that to Abraham. Did you, I, 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 I'm sorry, Noah. Did it, it did to Abraham too, but Noah. Told Noah to go build the ark and all that stuff. Noah started out. Stuff going on. He wouldn't talk to Noah till, And God remembered Noah. Go read the scripture. Like he forgot. He didn't forget. But it's just telling us how long time span had passed by before he spoke to Noah again. Same thing with Abraham. Speak a word to Abraham and then God just got quiet on him. When God speak a word to you, you just keep on doing that until he speak another one. The other one maybe two years from now. The other one maybe three years from now. Might be five years from now. Might be six months from now. But whatever word he speak to you, don't stop believing and doing what that word is until he come and speak another one. So God don't always talk to us. We want to think he just talked to us all the time. Well, I wish he did. The best you're going to get is read this thing and says, all right, Lord, you're talking to me, okay. But if you're just talking about hearing that voice, that, 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 that thought that he impressed upon your mind, him doing that, it don't happen all the time. And so we got to realize that when he does speak to us, we better do something about it. We better do something about it. Not to mention, if you don't do something about what he told you, he won't tell you something. He won't tell you nothing else. He'll just come back and say, have you done? Mama Allen, no, have you done what you said that you would do? So he won't go to the next thing. You might try to go to the next thing, but God won't go to the next thing. Because what God say to you, that's what he wants. Everything has its time and its place. Jesus, when he's in the house... Nothing should distract you. You only do what he tells you to do, not what you want to do. Our service to God is not what impresses God. It's our love and obedience to him that impresses him. We think we can come to church and preach real good. Let me deal with me first. I think I can come to church and preach real good. I think I can pray real hard. I think I can study the word real good and think that impresses God. That's my own thing that I'm doing. What impresses God by me is when I love him and when I obey him. That's what impressed God, not what I can do, because God can do more than what I can do. It's not my actions that he's impressed by. It's my love and it's my obedience to him that will impress him. I can't do nothing to impress him. No matter what you think. Don't matter what anybody thinks. Oh, man, you know, we like to say, yeah, that preacher can preach, or man, that person can pray, or man, that person can sing. That don't impress God. It might impress us. 
But God has given people gifts and talents. The gifts and the talents of God are without repentance. What does that mean? You can still do some great things according to what God has given you, and you not saved like a man in the moon, as Pastor Neil like to say. So, 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 doing good stuff don't mean that you are right with God. And as I was reading that, this scripture came to my mind. God, didn't we cast demons out in your name? Didn't we prophesy in your name? That came to my mind. I said, oh, Lord. So now we know for real our doings and our actions don't have nothing to do with impressing God. It's our love for God. It's our obedience to him. It's us doing what he says. Because you have the authority to say in the name of Jesus and demons tremble, it don't mean you're doing what God wants. Uh Uh-huh. Didn't you cast demons out? Didn't you do all this? All this good work that we do when we're thinking that we all good. When Jesus is in the house, it's not about what you can do. It's never about what you can do. It's about what he can do. And so we get distracted by a whole lot of things. We try to impress God with our talent. How silly can we get? God gave us the talent. He is the one that gave everything we got, and we're trying to impress him with it. How silly is that? I do that with my kids. You laughing at me? I do that with my kids. They try to come up with stuff like, get out of here. If it wasn't for me, you wouldn't have that. I do it all the time. You know? They think they stylish. And so they try to come with style. I said, man, I've been styling longer than you. If I, if I wasn't your dad, you wouldn't be stylish. <laughs> do it all the time. But I say that. And, and, and joking, but I also can say that about, our Lord can say that to us. What are you trying to do? Who are you trying to impress? Yeah, all that stuff, I gave that to you. What do you think I didn't know? I blessed you with a talent to sing. What do you think you didn't know? I blessed you with a talent to do this and do that. You trying to impress me with that? I gave it to you. So that's not what impressed God. We got to always understand that it's not your ability that impressed God. It's not what you can do that impressed God. It's your love and your obedience to God that impresses him. If we're going to change and we're going to do great things and we're going to get to heaven and we're going to live victoriously, we're going to have to love God and obey God. That's what he's all about. Love him and obey him. When we do that, we will be on our way. Heaven will be our home. We will make it and we will love God and obey Him. That's what it's about. We can't allow distractions to alter that. And so we know we're supposed to love God and obey Him. But distractions alter it. Every time God tells you something, the devil is going to tell you something. Every time God gives you direction and instruction, whether it be through the preaching, reading the word of God, or God use somebody to give you a word, it doesn't matter. As soon as you get it, here come the dude showing up trying to get you to second guess and to be distracted. That's what I'm talking about. He going to show up and try to get you distracted. When God told Eve, when Adam told Eve what she needed to do, here he comes show up and says, had God said, he trying to confuse her mind. And that's what he's going to try to do to us. He's going to try to confuse our minds. He's going to get all kind of thoughts going on our mind. He's going to 
because misunderstand what we thought we understood. He's going to try to do everything to distract you. And God, he ain't got time for that. Because he's going to say, I told you. Who, you know, who should you listen to over me? I told you. So we won't have any, 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 any uh, way of going to God and say, well, God, no, no, no excuse. Because God's going to say, I told you. Why, why are you listening to somebody else? Because I told you. When God tells you, you don't listen to nobody else. You got to ride or, ride or die with Jesus. When he tells you, man, I'm going to say, listen, God, whatever you tell me, I'm riding it down with that. Because, man, I'm not trying to do nothing else other than what you say. God knows, he knows what he's talking about. And so we got to ride or die. So when he tells us something, we got to do it. We got to let him in. And we can't be distracted. We can't be distracted. We got to do what God wants us to do. And so Satan, our adversary, is doing his best work to distract us. We cannot allow distraction to prevent us from loving Jesus and obeying Jesus. Distraction will come from every angle. We must recognize them and not let them get us off course. Start recognizing distraction. How do you recognize distraction? Anything that takes you out of the path of loving and obeying God? Anything that comes up in your life that makes you not give the effort to loving and obeying God is a distraction. Wherever we are today, and many of us can say, I want to be better, I want to get closer, you got distracted. You allowed distraction to work in your life. And so, because of distraction, we're not where we want to be in God and probably not where God expected us to be or want us to be. We have to be aware. Listen to this. Hard workers, be aware. Three things that are potential problems. While asking for help, this is, this is now dealing with Mary and Martha. Almost there, I'm I'll be probably done in about seven minutes. This is talking about Mary and Martha. While asking for help, that's Martha, which was a legitimate request, she point to her own accomplishment, pride. When, when Martha said, why don't she come and help me? You know what she's saying? Because what I'm doing is right, and what I'm doing is great, and how can she not be a part of Why isn't she helping me? When God puts you in a church and gives you something to do in the church and you're looking for everybody else to say, yeah, man, you can do it. Yes, sis, you can do it. You're crazy. And when you're trying to sit there saying, well, you know, I'm the only one. I'm the one that's always doing this. Pride. And you don't even realize it. It sounds legitimate, but it's not. Because when you're doing what God wants you to do, you don't care what nobody says. You do it because God said it, not because somebody else wants you to, or not because somebody is helping you to. You don't do it for nobody but God. Love him and obey him. And so she, she whether we want to like it or not, Martha had a little bit of pride in her. Because she, let me tell you, if you study Martha, she was the one that owned the house. It looked like Martha was a widow. And so her and her sister Mary and her brother Lazarus lived together. 
don't want to get all into the Bible. But those are three people that lived together. Lazarus, the one that Jesus rose from the dead. So those three lived together. But it looked like uh, Martha was a widow, and so she did all the taking care of the house. So her strength was keeping up the house. What's your strength? And are you going to brag about your strength? And because that's your strength, everybody should have that too? That's what Martha did. And she thought she was impressing Jesus by saying, look what I'm doing. Get her to help me out because she should be doing this too. Two, be aware. While calling Jesus Lord, certainly appropriate, you question his judgment with implied criticisms. We, We don't even realize. She questioned God's judgment with implied criticism that he is not directing Mary effectively suggesting that she is a better chief better in charge than god what i mean by that she's telling god why don't you tell her to come help me but i tell you when jesus come to the house all of that is over let him decide let him say but martha was making it like jesus why don't you tell her you tell her so she was in essence telling jesus You need to stop telling Jesus some stuff. Lord, I'm just going to do this. Lord, Lord, you don't understand. I can't deal with this no more. That's what Martha was doing. We're not going to move Jesus like that. Because he knows all things. He's the omnipotent, sovereign God. He's the all-powerful, all-knowing God. We're not going to get him out of his spot. He's not going to compromise for us. He's not going to do anything other than what he's going to do. So when we're telling him, you need to make sure you put them in check. Okay. You're saying something about yourself when you tell Jesus to tell somebody something. Three, while acknowledging your relationship to another person, Martha referred to her sister, you criticize that person for failing to follow your lead, imposing your will as right and good just because it's productive. So she forced her will. She was trying to get Jesus to do it. I mean, she was, she was hitting on, get, getting, trying to get Jesus to do it and trying to get her sister to do it. She was trying to control everything. What did I just say? Jesus is in the house and she is trying to host Jesus. And that's the problem. Martha wasn't a bad person. Martha wasn't ungodly. She was a godly disciple of Christ. But she didn't understand that when Jesus come around, let him have control. Let him be the host. Let him do what he wants and you don't do a thing. She's trying to control it. We can't control it. This Christianity thing, it's a God thing. It's not our thing. We don't have the control. What what she should have done was not to assume her own greatness. She knew how to serve real well. What she should have done was support her sister in her role. What she should have done was ask Jesus, then get to work. She didn't ask Jesus nothing. She just started telling Jesus what Jesus needs to do. We got to let Jesus in. He's knocking. He's knocking, and he's ready to do something in your life, but he can't do it without your permission. God can't do what needs to be done in your life without your permission. You have to let him in. You have to give him access to your life so he can do whatever he wants to do with your life. And if you don't give him the access, you're going to do what you want and pass it off as the Lord. 
Verse 41 says, and I'm finishing up here. And Jesus answered and said unto her, Martha, Martha, thou art careful and troubled about many things. You got too much going on, Martha. You got too much going on in your little brain there, Martha. You worry about everything, everything, and it's not even important. When Jesus is in the house, what is more important? What is more important? Because at the end of the day, I've been to a lot of funerals. I've preached a lot of funerals. I've been to hospitals. I've been to sick bed, bedside. I've been a lot of places. And what they all have in common is they can't do nothing for themselves. They got to talk to Jesus at that time if they can. And if they dead, they got to go stand before Jesus then. It's him that get us in here and it's him that take us out of here. And so it don't make a whole lot of sense to, to, to get into a place of, of, of ignoring God and, and doing what you want while you're live, vibrant, and young. You better include him in the plans. And not just include him, you better let him have control of your life. Uh-huh. Verse 42 says, but one thing is needful, and Mary had chosen that good part, which shall not be taken away from her. Martha, you are disturbed. This is what Jesus was saying. You are disturbed. You are distracted and worried about much. And those things are not even important right now. Here is when we're supposed to get caught up in service. When we get on our knees... And we get down at the feet of Jesus and we worship him and we just begin to just sit at his feet and let him talk to us. When he tells us what to do, then we get up and do it. This is how this, that's how this thing works. We got to get down at his knees, at his feet, sit there at the feet of Jesus and just say, Lord, I'm here just to hear your voice. Sometimes I find myself a lot these days just I don't know if this is wrong or right, but I know that I just feel led to do this, that I will sit in a quiet place and say nothing but just think about the Lord because I want to hear from him. I don't want to be telling him stuff. He already know the stuff. Yes, I know I got to pray, but sometimes it just feels better to just sit there, lay there, stand there, and just, just listen for his voice. Just meditate on him. Just keep my mind on him, waiting for him to give instruction, waiting for him to say yes, waiting for him to say no, or waiting for him to give me instructions. Just sit there, God. I just need you to tell me what to do. I'm not getting up and go get myself all busy. Busy doing what? I'm only going to be busy for what you tell me to do. And so, God, I want to just get at your feet. And so she was disturbed, distracted, worried about too much of stuff that don't really matter. Don't fall into the trap of being distracted, serving, and justifying that you are doing God's will. Remember, Lord, Lord, haven't we cast out demons in your name? Lord, Lord, haven't we prophesied in your name? We can do things that God said to do, but he didn't tell you to do it. And if you're doing what God said do, because you're just doing it because it's in the Bible, and it wasn't specific to you, then you're just busy doing what you want. Now you're cumbered 
all about. You are distracted because you're doing something that God didn't tell you to do. So now you're doing something over there. You are being distracted from what God has in store for you. Don't get distracted doing what people tell you to do. Even me as a pastor, don't get distracted because you hear something and it may not pertain to you. You just keep running and running, doing stuff. And, and, and God didn't want you to do that. You, If you're not sure what you're doing is what God Come talk to a brother. I'll let you know. I'm, I'm not going to fool you. I'm not going to try to get you to do anything for my own good. Because I'm afraid of Jesus in a good way. I'm not doing that. I'm afraid. I don't want to tell nobody nothing that Jesus didn't tell me to tell them. I, you got to work out your relationship with God. You can sit at his feet. You don't need Nobody to tell you exactly. You go and get it. And God is so good that when you go and get it and he tells you, he will just slip a little nugget to me. And so when you come to me, I'm going to say, absolutely yes, because he slipped the nugget to me. Absolutely yes, he wanted you to do that because it's about God's will for your life. You loving him, you obeying him, and he will direct you. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will direct your path. God's word is a lamp unto your feet and a light unto your path. When you don't know where to go, when you don't know what to do, let him shine that light. And if you don't see the light shining, you stand where you are because we won't know what to do in darkness. And until that light shines and says, there is where you go, there is where you turn, that's what you do. If the light is not leading you, don't you go, don't you move, let the light lead you. And guide you. When Jesus was born and the wise men, how did they find him? They didn't have no GPS. It was him that led them. The light kept directing them. They didn't need GPS. It was just the light. When they left Egypt, when the children of Israel left Egypt, how did they find their way? Oh God, somebody hear me today. God will lead you. God will give you direction. God will tell you. God will show you. You don't have to listen to people. You don't have to do what you want to do. Trust in the Lord. Lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. He will direct your path. He will tell you what to do. He will show you where to go. He will direct you and you will be blessed.